So I made this app for myself initially, right? Um, and to have as a portfolio, and then I was able to publish it. And then I don't know, somehow a lot of people started installing it. This is the Hello 20s podcast. My name is Jan and I'm your host. I'm a corporate professional during the day, a digital content creator by night, and really just a 20-something year old trying to navigate life while sprinkling a little knowledge and wisdom here and there. Let's face it, we don't have it all figured out, but we can learn a little from each other along the way. And I'm so glad you are tuning in on today's episode. Hello everyone, I'm so glad you're joining me today on this episode of Hello 20s. Today's episode, we have a guest. Adriana is here today to talk about her experience building and releasing her own app called Morning. This is a gratitude-focused app that you are able to find in the Apple App Store. Adriana is a developer in the Seattle area, and in this episode, we also talked about her transition moving from Spain to the U.S. for her master's. We also got to talk about her travel experience volunteering in a Buddhist monastery for a few years in Nepal. So Adriana and I became friends about three years ago. We connected over YouTube and since then we've stayed in contact. So I'm so excited and happy that we get to sit down and record this episode for you all. Before we jump right into it, I want to thank those who have subscribed and rated this podcast. Thank you for doing that and sharing. I really do appreciate it and I love getting messages from you all about the podcast. It makes my day. So if you haven't subscribed, follow or rate this podcast, I would love for you to help out and do that. I also have all the links to everything and everyone mentioned in this podcast in the show notes for you to click on to check out and follow. So with that all being said, let's get to the episode. Hello, everyone. Today, I am joined with Adriana, and we're going to talk about her move to the U.S. from Spain about three years ago and also the morning app that she developed. So first off, welcome, Adriana. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, we've known each other for a few years, but this yeah. is the first time we like actually talked. Um, but how are you today? I'm good. Thank you for having me. This is, well, we've already talked briefly, but this is my first, first podcast, so I'm definitely excited. So for those that don't know, Adriana has a YouTube channel as well. That's actually how we kind of got to know each other. And a few days ago, I was actually watching one of your videos, um, the video about moving to the U.S. Uh, you mentioned in your video, and I actually remember this, we were talking a few years ago when you like were filming this, you were in Nepal for a few months, and then you moved back to Spain for a week, and then immediately moved to the US. So mm -hmm. it was like a really quick turnaround. So I want to yeah. know like, what that transition from Spain to the States was like for you. So I kind of feel like at the very beginning, it was really exciting and fun. I kind of was coming out of a four year undergrad, like I had just finished my undergrad in Spain, it was very, very tough. And so I was obviously really excited to have like a big change in my life. And also given the fact that I, well, I'm, I'm half American. So I had been coming to the US every other summer with my family. So it's kind of like a vacation place for me. And so it, it was just, it was all very exciting and fun at the beginning. Um, of course, later on, when things started to, you know, go get into a routine, and I started getting used to life in the US, um, then uh, that's when I started getting some culture shock, even though technically, I'm American, I'm half American, and I've been raised by an American. Um, but yeah, definitely, the beginning was uh, fun and exciting. 
What was um, the culture shock that you mentioned? Um, I feel like I'm actually going to make a video about this really soon, but um, yeah, I feel like one of the biggest things for me that was, I guess, difficult was the kind of, uh, I guess I feel like Spain is very group oriented and very family oriented. And then when I came to the U S it was, um, it it was harder for me to understand the way that friendships are. So to give an example, um, in Spain, uh, throughout our entire childhood, we have the same classmates and so like we have we go to the like one classroom and then we have the same classmates classmates all throughout our say 12 years um whereas in the U.S. I know that you guys switch classes and then you have different classmates for your, your math class or your is that that's how it works right yeah um, yeah and so I kind of feel like you guys are more used to um your friendships coming and going and changing whereas in the in Spain we are used to having you know the same people throughout our whole lives and so it was just harder for me to come here and to um you know make friends in that sort of way where I I was not like I had to understand that uh friendships are not as long lasting as they are in Spain or as deep or as you know different things like that and then also being away from my family was also um something that was difficult but that's not a culture shock yeah you came to the U.S. Uh, do you want to actually tell people why you came to the U.S.? Mm-hmm. So I, uh, well, like I mentioned, I'm half American, half Spanish, and my parents always wanted me to have to spend some time in the U.S. to get to know my American side. And so when I finished my undergrad, they gave me the opportunity to come and do my master's. And then on top of that, I have always been very interested, not always, but um, I, I got very interested in computer science and programming. And so um, Seattle is also like, I, li- I live in Se- the Seattle area and Seattle is a place where there's a lot of op- opportunity for software developers and software engineers. And so it happened to all fit in perfectly. So I basically moved here to do my master's and to uh, work and, you know, work on my career. And you had to, um, I, I think he said you had to get your associates. Is that right? Before you went to get your master's? So, uh, bef- yeah, because in Spain, I, my undergrad was not computer science and it was pretty like it's kind of hard to uh, convalidate things when you come to the U.S., you know, exactly. And so one of the things I had to do is uh, spend one year doing a certificate. Mm-hmm. I think that's what you're referring to. I probably mentioned this in the yes. past. Yes. Yeah, I had to do a one year certificate, which was just to get like the basis of computer science, you know, like learn those like important parts. And then from there, I could apply to the master's. And, and that kind of helped me uh, avoid the regular process of applying for the master's. Um, so if you did that, you know, you could did it this way through the certificate, you could immediately go into the master's without having to make a formal complicated application. Okay, so are you are you you're done with that, right? I'm done with a certificate. I'm currently doing my master's and I'm about to start uh, with my capstone project. So actually I start on Tuesday. That's so exciting. Yeah, Um, I can't wait to finish. (laughs) I want to actually ask you something. Back at home in Spain, did your family speak Spanish or English in the house? So we would speak English at home. My dad, he's Spanish, but he could speak English because my parents met in the U.S., um, so yeah, I speak English at home, Spanish at school. That's how I learned. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. What's one thing you miss about Spain? Um, I would say definitely, well, uh, if it's not like culture shock, like culture related, uh, definitely my family, obviously. Uh, I wish either they could move here or I could like somehow teleport myself there more often. <laughs> uh, because of course, there are lots of pros of living in the US and I'm very happy to be here. But 
definitely not seeing my family is one of the cons. Um, and then also just, I feel like, like I said before, when you move to another culture, you sometimes don't, it's like, it's apart from learning the language, right? Which was not really something I had to do when I came to this. Um, culture is kind of like another language that you have to learn and understand. It's kind of like a, the rules of a game you have to learn to play. Um, and so definitely it's, I feel more comfortable playing the rules in Spain than in the US. Um, so yeah, but there are also some things that um, I love about the US that I that I prefer over Spain and that I know sometimes I take for granted, like for example, um, how organized and efficient things are in this country. So definitely also some pros. In the US, it's very individualized and in Spain, it's very like, mm-hmm. what's the other word? The opposite? Like, <laughs> it's like group oriented, right? Yeah, group oriented collectivist. Kind yes, of yeah. Yeah, and I, when you mentioned that, I forgot to mention it when we were talking about that, but when I went back to China for the first time in like 18 years, um, two years ago, it was the same thing like in Spain. It's very collectiveness. It's very like family oriented. Like everybody's just like at the end of the day, everybody sits down in front of the family store that they own and they eat together and then they go out together at night. And it's just like even in parks, you see like so many families or like old people and there's just such a sense of community that mm-hmm. I think is a little lost here in the U.S. Yeah. And and I think that does come from, like I said, like just the way that, you know, schools set up, you know, and also and also I feel like because the U.S. was made by people that were coming from all around the world. And basically the, those those were the people that were brave enough to leave their families and come and start a new life on their own. It kind of just turned into this kind of individualistic country where everybody just you know, work like does what they can for themselves. And, and it's not so much for the group. Um, mm-hmm. And actually, the we just mentioned that food, the uh, thing where like they all sat together and ate. That's another mm-hmm. thing that I miss about Spain. I feel like in the US, everybody eats like, at random times and whenever and, and yeah. like, they, they don't eat together. Whereas in Spain, when I was living in my grandparents house for four years for my undergrad, we had very fixed meal times. And like, for example, our lunch was at two p.m. and um like if, if I was not going to come to lunch I had to tell my grandma like I don't know the day before or something because it was it was all very fixed and we all had to eat together so it's definitely something I miss all right before we talk about the morning app that you develop I want to ask you what got you into the tech field and like deciding to become a programmer okay so going back to like before I chose my degree I at the end of uh high school, I was actually deciding between philosophy and engineering. And my I talked to my philosophy teacher about this because I felt like she was some she was just somebody that I really respected and I liked her opinion. And she told me to not do philosophy and to go into engineering, <laughs> even though she's like a philosophy teacher. Um, she had two daughters and each of them had gone into one of the two and she felt like her daughter who wasn't doing engineering was happier. So I chose engineering for that reason, even though like I know they're very different uh, degrees. Um, and then once I was in engineering, um, within the first year, first quarter, I had a class for what was like a computer science class, which by the way, just to give you some context on the university in Spain, unlike the US where you get to choose your classes in Spain, you don't like once you choose a degree, there is a whole curriculum set up for you. And there's no there are no electives. I think I, have, I got one elective in the four years. Um, and I chose French because I already spoke French and I wanted to make my life easy because it was really tough. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, so in that first quarter, first semester, first quarter, I took that class and I knew from this, from that minute that I loved programming. And so, yeah, ever since then, I've 
taken any chance I could to learn. And then uh, when I was given the opportunity to do my master's, I told my parents, like, I want to do something that I really like. I want to do programming. And so they completely supported and helped me. And, you know, that's where I am now. <laughs> that's amazing. So for those that are interested, the app that Adriana developed is called Morning. And it's in the Apple App Store. Um, what I really love about this app is that it's an app focused on your gratitudes and also mm -hmm. kind of just like mindfulness, right? Mm -hmm. So when I first looked at the app, what I really like is how it's very minimal and easy to use. So it doesn't take up too much time during the morning or just during the day when you are filling the prompts up, but the prompts get you thinking a little bit about your day and yourself. So I want to ask you what sparked the idea of starting this app? I was like back when I started the app, I was first of all kind of trying to find something to put on my portfolio. So that's how it initially before I even had an idea, right? I was just trying to think of an app that I could make from start to end and publish in the app store. Uh, but then the the way that I came up with this specific idea is that I was actually going through a really tough time back then where I felt really lonely. And um, I just I, I decided one day that I wanted to have a five minute journal. And I knew about this because I follow this couple on Instagram. I don't know if you know them, but it's Mimi Icon or and, and Alex. I don't know. They're a couple that have a five minute journal and it's like a paper book. They also have an app and I was initially going to buy the book. And then I saw that they, they had an app, um, but I felt like their app was a really overpriced for the for what I feel like they had all the features, but it was not a calm, uh, relaxing app that I would want to come back to every day. And it was $6 and I just felt like it was too much. I felt like I could make this myself and I could make it prettier. I know it's kind of like pretty is a very subjective term, but in my opinion, I felt like I could make it a prettier version and that um, I could do it for free. And so I decided to start on it and Basically, I use this app every single day. So, so I made this app for myself initially, right? Um, and to have as a portfolio. And then I was able to publish it. And then, I don't know, somehow a lot of people started installing it. And I think kind of thanks to the, the fact that there's already an app out there that um, maybe was too expensive for some people, that helped a lot of people come over to my app instead. So. Yeah, so for those that want to download the app, I'll leave all the information in the show notes. Um, and it's also free. And I don't know, I just really like how you incorporated gratitudes because I've been trying to incorporate doing daily gratitudes every morning. And it does like, help me feel a little better and get like my day started. Yeah, I feel like, apart from the fact that you start your day on a really good foot, because you are thinking about the things that you have rather than what you don't have, which is what a lot of us tend to do. Um, but one thing, one of the things that I found as a benefit from using this every morning is that even throughout my day, like when I'm going through something difficult, like I'm at work and I'm stressed or whatever, it I, I'm so used to doing this, you know, gratitude habit that I will do those I will do it in those moments and I'll remember the things that I was grateful for or think of other things that I'm grateful for and realize that there really isn't nothing there, there really isn't anything to stress about because I have so many things going for me you know well so um, it's really helped throughout my day in general and keep me happy so I agree well I'm not much of a programmer or a developer <laughs> but I wanted to ask you what goes into creating an app or specifically like what went into creating this app? I guess like it's kind of different when you're making an app in a company versus for like by yourself. So like you said, I'm just going to explain from my point of view as an individual developer here. Um, mm -hmm. 
usually the first thing I do, well, first of all, obviously come up with an idea, um, preferably an idea that you, that, that is for, for an app that you would actually use, cause it's going to make it easier for you to, you know, do the rest of the steps. Um, once I find an idea that I really believe in, then I can, can start thinking about the features. And like I said, if you like, if you're interested in this app, you're going to have a lot of ideas for features. Um, a lot of times I also do um, research on other applications that do something similar because I feel like they've already done a lot of research and they've had feedback from their um, the, um, their users. And so they've you know been able to iterate on that and make their product the best possible. So like, say I'm making a recipe app, right? I'll go out and look at other recipe apps and see like, do they have a like button or do they have a you know way to share, this, things like that. Um, and then once I've decided all the features, I, I like to group them by, you know, by section because it kind of makes it easier for me as a developer to digest it and to, you know, go one at a time rather than try to make everything and get overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. um, and then once you have it broken down into different features, you can um, work on the user interface. So that like the, I don't know if you're familiar with that term, but like the way that the app is going to look, the colors, the, you know, layout basically user experience um so what the user sees yes exactly what the user sees the design basically of the app um and then i'll go one by one through each of the features and i'll you know design develop test design develop test and as i'm doing that i'm you know writing my test cases so at the very end i can i have like a long book of test cases that i can repeat every time i make a new release um, so yeah, that's basically what I'd say is a general timeline. And I'm actually doing that right now because I'm adding extra features to my app that I will be releasing in some time. Um, and so it's just, yeah, that's basically the process. It, it, it helps to keep things organized and to do one thing after the other, less overwhelming. So how long did it take you to, um, complete this app, this um, first app and then release it? So I was... It took me about a month or two. I know it sounds like not a lot, but um, one of the things that I did, which I think I really recommend is that I didn't try to do everything in the first release. Um, as you can see, like everything that is out right now, that's that's all free. And now the stuff that I'm making now is going to be add on, you know, paid stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but I stuck with the minimal what, what I felt was the minimal um, the, the, the minimum features that that would make this app user usable. Um, and so it kind of, I feel like if you keep, if you keep adding features and keep, you know, developing more and, and if you don't just release something, even if it's not, um, if it doesn't have all the features, you kind of get stuck into the cycle where, you know, you never get it out. And that's, I feel like what happened with the first app that I made, I never released it. It was a recipe app. Um, I remember and, you mentioning that. Yeah, probably, yeah. It was a recipe app, and it was supposed to be like for your leftovers. You can, you know, um, find recipes for whatever leftovers you have in your fridge. And I never released it. But one thing that I wanted to change in my second app is like I did not want to keep adding stuff and make it an impossible, um, you know, goal that keeps getting further and further away from me. I just wanted to make the minimum amount that was required, and then put that out. Um, and also one of the pros of that is that Apple has a very strict process for approving apps. And if you, if you make your app less complex, there's a higher chance that they'll approve it. As long as it's not like an empty app, they won't approve an empty app. <laughs> yeah. That's actually very interesting. And actually, I think that mm -hmm. applies to, you know, just projects that we create in life in general. Mm -hmm. We always want to like have everything ready and then mm -hmm. release it. But I think mm -hmm. it's so important to at least release the bare bones, the foundation, you know, and then and, add on. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. And one of the pros of that as well is that, especially with iOS app development or just Android as well, is that um, a lot of what goes into your app in the future comes from um, users' requests and their feedback. And so if I release something and then people start using it and they tell me what they like and don't like, I can iterate on that and make it better. So for example, everything that I'm working on right now has come from users emailing me or their reviews and I'm, you know, catering to what they feel like they're, what the app is missing instead of me just coming up with the things that I think are useful. And then it turns out that people don't think they're useful. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, I like that. And actually, it's so funny that we're talking about like phases and like the development phases and stuff like that, because Mm -hmm. it's what so I work as a business analyst and I work Mm -hmm. with developers as well. And I kind of just got into this position. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm learning on the job. I'm learning what the developers do and I'm learning their phrases. And when I'm talking to you, I'm like, wait, that's what one of my coworkers Mm -hmm. said. (laughs) Well, this is how we work and we have terms like we use sprints and kind of like they're kind of like cycles where we develop tests and release and so the the point of it all is to you know get something out get feedback and then iterate on that get something out get feedback and iterate it's just a, a continuous cycle because software is never finished it's never done and so um the the sooner you accept that and just go with that uh the better definitely that's so funny that you mentioned Sprint because on my like first or second day of work, I was already in the meeting with like clients mm-hmm. and everything. And my lead developer and program manager was like, yeah, in this Sprint or we're in Sprint mm-hmm. 7. I'm just like, what are yep. they talking about? <laughs> sprint is just a term that we that we have. It's like part of our, one of our processes has Sprints and different like terms like that. You learn them. I learned them at university, of course, and at work. <laughs> so I want to ask you what was the most fun part and the hardest part of creating this app um so I would say for me the fun the the most fun part of creating any app is definitely the process of coming up with the idea and then choosing the features and designing how it's going to look and then uh well obviously I love when I finish a feature and I, I can use it and I'm like wow I've been imagining this for so long and now it it actually exists. You know, I can, I can make whatever I want. Um, I would say the hardest part is definitely when I get, uh, when I have like maybe a bug, I had this issue back in January where, um, when on the 1st of January, when the year switched, there was a bug that made it so people couldn't see their past entries, um, on that day. And so it was a really easy fix, you know, but it was obviously very stressful and having a lot of emails coming in telling you like, this is not working. You know, it's obviously not the best part of the job. You would like everything to work. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's definitely the, the most difficult is just to have having like users that they may complain and they may have issues and you have to fix them. So even though you're making that for free, you always want to like, be happy. Yeah, definitely. I feel like um, what you're doing is like a whole like team work type of thing, not just a one person thing. It is. I feel like I'm doing everything. Like I am um, designing, I am coding, I am thinking about like I'm doing a product owner, product manager role. I'm also testing. I'm also customer service. (laughs) It's really, really crazy. Um, Fortunately, it's like doesn't cause me too much of a headache uh, because I don't have like crashes or bugs in my app, you know, yet. (laughs) 
knock on wood, but um, yeah, it's definitely a lot of work and it takes up a lot of my free time. So, but the, the thing about it is that I really enjoy it. It just kind of feels like I'm running my own little company, even though like I don't earn anything from it. Um, so it's just so much fun. It's like a little project. I feel like it's going to get really big and you're going to have a lot of add-on features. I mean, it already has so many users. I was surprised when I first start, uh, first searched the app. Yeah. Um, I don't know um, if, I don't know. How can you see the amount of users? Like, do you get to, or you just see the reviews? I think I saw, I don't know if I saw the amount of users that downloaded or I saw the mm -hmm. amount of reviews, but there was quite a lot. And I mean, a lot of positive reviews as well. Yeah. So I was very surprised. And I didn't know you um, made this app until I saw your most recent video, which is the 6 a.m. routine yeah. video. Yeah. But I was like very impressed and I downloaded it as well. So that's the thing, actually, I haven't mentioned it to anybody other than my family and friends. I haven't mentioned this app. Um, and so all of the um, users that I've had, I've got until now were came completely organically and naturally. I, I think they just came because, like I said, they saw this other app that cost money and then they saw mine and they downloaded mine. Um, and so it's just been really great. And also now that the virus has come like, unfortunately for the virus, right? Like, that's unfortunate. But then um, for me, a lot of new people were co are coming in. Like, I, before the virus, I was getting 3,000 installs a month, and now I'm getting 5,000. And so I think that um, everything, be like, this whole lockdown is m encouraging people to be more um, uh, positive or wanting to be more positive and grateful. And so that's why they've they you know, they're making the effort to to do things like five minute journal or probably work out and things like that. That's actually really impressive, like mm -hmm. the amount of downloads you get per month. I'm yeah. blown away <laughs> because yeah. you never mentioned this anywhere on social media or anything. I know. I've I've always been really like this is one of the things why I'm just like so excited because I, I never thought, you know, I put it out there thinking that, you know, technically like a lot of times when you do an interview uh, for any software development job, they want you to have an app in the app store. They want you to release an app because it's it's not the same to make an app than to release it. There's so much that goes into releasing it. Like you have to write a privacy policy, you have to write a support page and all, like all these other details. Um, so that's why I released it. Um, and then I, I never expected that so many people would want to use it. So it's definitely been very, very exciting. As we could see, you're very passionate about programming, but I know you're also really passionate about traveling. Um, one place in particular that I know is near and dear to your heart is Nepal. So I would love to hear about your experience in Nepal. Nepal is definitely one of the places where, I don't know, I changed so much. And I, you know, it was a really different experience to, for me. I had, I, the first time I went to Nepal, I was 17 years old and I went there every summer for five years. Um, and also, of course, I had this experience of going to and living in a Buddhist monastery, which I feel like a lot of people think is like such an exciting thing. Um, one of the things that I definitely learned about being in Nepal and especially in a monastery is that um, everything looks very, you know, perfect or spiritual or everything from the outside. But then once you spend more and more time, you realize that everybody is, you know, human and everyone's normal. Um, mm -hmm. So that's definitely something that I learned while I was there and that, you know, a lot of times we have like these ideas of like, oh, this remote village must be so much fun to live in, so calm. But then when you live there, like there's, they have their own problems, right? So there's, there are problems and good and bad things everywhere. Um, and nothing is as perfect or peaceful as we might think from the outside. So, yeah. Are you planning on going back um, 
once everything gets better. <laughs> I have a lot of people ask me that too because I made a I made a video about Nepal and why I loved it so much, and so I get a lot of people ask me when I'm going back. I don't know when I'm going back just because I feel like I. I've been there so many times and I really want to go somewhere else. Like, uh, for example, in my last video, I mentioned that I'm learning Hindi. And so my next place that I want to go to is India. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, and I'd like to actually like live there, you know, not, not just visit. I want to live there to like formally learn the language. Um, and then also recently I started learning Mandarin because I've already had a year. Of, yeah, I know. Oh my God. We it's should speak in Chinese. <laughs> not now. No, I've been for like two weeks. <laughs> um, but uh, I feel like I've already gotten to a point in Hindi where I can understand everything that's being told and I can understand cartoons or movies and stuff. And so I feel like I'm ready to start with my next language. My my biggest goal in life is to speak Hindi and Mandarin, those two mm-hmm. languages, and then possibly also Korean. Um but yeah, so then after India, I want to go live in China as well to, you know, formally learn that language. Um, so those are kind of my travel plans right now. So oh my gosh. if you do go to China, and <laughs> I happen to go to China, you should come to um, 100% where where, my, yeah. wherever my family is right now. <laughs> or over there. 100%. Yeah, I, I mean, of course, I, I'm the type of person the way I like to travel is um, I, I'm not so interested in the the tourist attractions or you know that sort of stuff. I'm very interested in the people and the culture. And so if I if I can know somebody there, and you know if it's your family or what you know some people that are from there and that can show me what the culture is really like, I would I'll definitely sign up for that. No, definitely. I think it would be so much fun. Okay, we should. When <laughs> things are better, we should plan yeah. that. Because my family, there. yeah, because my family does want to go back soon again, but we mm-hmm. are just waiting until things are a lot more safer. Um, but I feel like you would really enjoy where our, um, I mean, it's not like a big city, but it's like I a smaller mean, city. Yeah. yeah. And then, so, um, yeah, my, my, my plan, sorry, I'm interrupting you, but my plan when I'm go when I go to these places is not to live in the big cities. I'm not interested. I'm interested in the small places where the culture I feel is more preserved and, and not so, you know, I mean, I know everywhere things are kind of, um, you know, becoming more technology influenced and all that, but you know, it's a little more preserved in the big cities. Yeah. My, uh, my grandparents actually put on both sides. My dad's side lives in a rural area and my uh, mom's side, her parents live on the farm and it's very close to um, the local city that my mm-hmm. aunts and uncles live in. So wow. I feel like you would really like the countryside as well. A hundred percent. I would love the countryside. That's really where I want to go. So like the mountains of the view and there's a river in the backyard as well. Well, yeah, that kind of reminds <laughs> me of what it was like in Nepal, the monasteries, like countryside, mountain behind me, the river, we'd go to the river to swim. Um, and yeah, very, very peaceful and calm. So I like that. Yeah. I like how um, you mentioned that when you're traveling, you like to travel like and live like a local instead of doing all mm-hmm. the touristy stuff, because I feel yeah. like you learn just so much when you're living as a local. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, when I went to China, we lived there for a month and or we stayed there for a month. And I, at first it was so hard to navigate. But then at the end of the trip, I realized I could navigate around the city. And it was like actually mm-hmm. so exciting. But it then it's like, okay, exciting. now I have to leave. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it definitely is really nice. And, and that's something that happened to me as well in Nepal. I basically knew 
poker up poker is where I was saying I knew that place inside out I knew how to you know get around I could get around by myself on the you know taxi I could go to the local area I could go to the tourist area and so it's definitely especially like going back so many times you know it's nice to feel like you're coming back to a place that you know and where you have people that you know it just really feels like home so yeah I agree all right well that's the end of this interview I had so much fun um talking to you (laughs) Thanks so much for giving me my first podcast ever. So much fun. Yeah. I actually, just before I started recording, like setting everything up, I remember, because I was journaling a little bit before, and I remember you sent me a few postcards right before you left Spain. Mm-hmm. And I still have those postcards. Oh, wow. Yeah, they were so cute yeah. and pretty. But yeah, thank you again for coming on and talking to us and sharing your story. I hope the next time we get to talk, it will be actually in person. Yeah, because we keep saying we're going to see each other in person. And then, well, look at this. This is not, it's not going to happen. I know. But Three I would, years later. <laughs> I'm super excited if that could happen in China. I would be so excited. So Yeah, definitely. And if you ever come to the East Coast, have you been to the East Coast? I've been to New York. That's it. Actually, I'm going to Boston. I mean, oh. I'm, when I go to Spain, I'm going to stop in Boston for nine hours. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't count but. but okay if you actually do come to the east coast specifically mm-hmm. the dc area we should mm-hmm. meet up 100 percent. yep thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of hello 20s let's get connected and continue our conversation over on social media you can find us on facebook twitter and instagram the links are in the show notes so you're only one click away i hope to see you there and i'll talk to you guys in my next episode 